0: Last Sunday, we began a new series of lessons that I'm calling Stand the Wait from the Chipmunks Christmas song, We Can Hardly Stand the Wait. And it is a season of waiting. We call the season that leads up to Christmas Advent. And this series leads us through Advent. And it's a season of waiting and preparation for an arrival. We're we're celebrating the fact that Jesus has come as a baby, a human being, and we celebrate that arrival when we get to Christmas. We're thinking about that now. But there's this parallel theme that is also running through Advent. That's all about waiting on the return of Jesus. So we celebrate his arrival as a baby, but also his arrival at the end of time as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But that does mean that we are waiting on something. And most of us would say I'm not that great at waiting. I would certainly say that about myself. And I found out this week, I'm even worse at waiting than I thought, because Monday morning, I woke up, and I had a tooth that felt just a little bit funny, okay? I've been to the dentist several times recently, and he had a plan and worked on some stuff. That was gonna come later, but I thought, I better call. So I called, I said, we can take you tomorrow morning at eight o'clock. I thought, man, that's quick, that's awesome, this will work out great. But during the day Monday, my face began to swell up and that tooth began to hurt more and more and more. And you know, that simple wait of 24 hours suddenly seemed like I was not going to be able to stand the wait. I was counting down the hours all day Monday until Tuesday morning, and maybe even the minutes during the night, Monday night, until Tuesday morning. And it just struck me that It was just 24 hours and it hurt, but there are people who endure chronic pain for years and I can hardly take one day. Waiting is sometimes really hard. Sometimes it's because there's uncertainty, sometimes because it's pain, maybe physical, but also spiritual and emotional. All those things wrapped together make waiting really difficult. And, and really the sense that we are followers of Jesus means that we will have to wait. It is part of what it is to follow Jesus because we're waiting on his return. Now, that waiting is not easy, and it brings up a couple of objections that even people who are like they are really serious about exploring faith in Jesus, or maybe even Christians who have been following Jesus for a long time, it brings up some questions that are a little bit hard to deal with. One of those questions is Hey, listen, you say you're a follower of Jesus. Yes. Didn't Jesus, when he was a human being on earth, walking among us, teaching and preaching, dying, being raised from the dead before He ascends into heaven, didn't He say, I am going to return? And the answer to that question is, yes, He did. Hasn't that been 2,000 years? Yes, it has. And some people would say, okay, I I get Jesus seems like He was really different from everyone else. He could do things that were different. His teaching is different. His person his character stands above and beyond everyone else but I don't really understand how you can wait for something for 2,000 years don't you think it's a sign that if you've waited 2,000 years that's long enough maybe he's not coming back that's a fair question but then other people might ask a more immediate question I've been praying about something, something that really matters to me. And it seems obvious to me what God should do in response to that prayer because wouldn't it be better if someone was healed? Wouldn't it be better if a marriage came back together? Wouldn't it be better if the financial problem disappeared? Wouldn't it be better if I got the job? All those things that we might pray about. And yet God doesn't always act when we want Him to act. There are times when we have to wait and wonder what God is doing. So people might ask, why doesn't God just do what we need him to do when we need him to do it? Another fair question. Now, I think we see in the New Testament writers dealing with both of those questions and that question about prayer all the way through the Bible. And today I want us to look at one of those places where a New Testament writer deals with that. And it's in a little book that we call 2 Peter. It's near the end of your Bible, probably just a couple, three pages, three chapters. There's not a whole lot there. And yet he says some really important things about this question. Now, my guess is... That the church that Peter is writing to is dealing with one or two things, and maybe both. One is the people in the church are going, yeah, we've heard about Jesus' promise to return. But he hasn't done it. And years have passed. Not 2,000 years like us, but years had passed. And they're wondering, where's Jesus? Is he really going to return? Or... There were people sort of on the periphery of the church, on the outside, looking in, going, why are you following this guy who said he was going to come back and hasn't? Does that really make sense? And so this is the way that Peter responds to that. And we pick up in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. This is what he says. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. And that's sort of a a loose quotation from Psalm 90. So this is not even new language for Peter. But the point is, God has a different relationship with time than we do. Now, there have been Christians over the years ancient, modern, who have taken this verse and said, well, I think there's some time-space continuum calculus that's going on here. And if we really study this carefully and study human history, we can predict when Jesus will return. So it's going to be December 21st, 1955, or any other date that you choose. And it didn't happen. I don't think that's what Peter's talking about. I think what Peter is saying to these early Christians and to us is that God has a different relationship with time than we do. That God operates, and I talked briefly about this last week, God operates above and beyond how we understand time. We are bound by time. Our lives have a beginning and an end. We are ruled by time. Like, we all showed up at, sort of, the same time today, right? Because we knew when church started. And we've announced that things are going to happen. Christmas Eve, services, 5 and 7 p.m. Why? Because we need to know when to be there. What is the right time? We think about time every day, multiple times a day, because we have various appointments that we got to meet. Get the kids here. we got a meeting here. We are bound by time. But God is not. Here's a God, as we've talked about a couple times in the last few weeks, who was, who is Who always will be. This is a God who stretches to eternity in both directions. And so God does not see a day or a thousand years like we do. And so we can't expect that, even though we feel like, man, it's been a long time since Jesus made this promise to return, well, God sees it in an entirely different way. And so we have to admit here, as with other things in this passage, that God doesn't see everything like I do, and that God knows some things that I don't know. And because of that, this time that we've been waiting is different for God than it is for me. Okay, verse 9 goes in a slightly different direction. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now, one of the interesting things that Peter does here is we sort of come at this passage, and I think the Christians that he's writing to came at this whole problem, thinking about why do we have to be patient with God? Why do we have to keep waiting on God? And Peter turns that upside down and says, listen, it's not about you being patient with God, it's about God being patient with you. You see, Part of the reason that Jesus has not returned is that he has this incredible love for every single human being. And God's incredible love is giving everyone multiple chances for repentance. He wants everyone to be with him. He made us. He made us for communion and community with Him. And He wants that to be established both here and for eternity. So if God is waiting, it's not that He's overdue. It's not that God is sort of, He's got so much going on that He forgot that whole thing about Jesus returning and He needs to get back on that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about God intentionally choosing to wait because He wants every one of us to have a relationship with Him for eternity. So this is really about God's amazing love for all of us. Okay, verse 10. It's not the end of the story, but the day of the Lord will come. This day that's prophesied all the way through scripture, sometimes called the day of the Lord, sometimes called the day of Jesus or Jesus Christ, the last day, the day of judgment, will come like a thief So we're not going to have this warning. And when people tell us, oh, it's going to be this day, Jesus said he didn't know what day. So if they say they know, they're not telling you the truth. Don't listen to that. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. And we read that and go, man, that is a little scary, isn't it? It's cataclysmic. I mean, what Peter is doing is trying to explain something to us that, that he's had a vision of that is really indescribable. So he's trying to put into human words something that is really impossible for us to fully see. And so he's using language that says this is going to be dramatic. This is going to be huge. Everything is going to be different after this moment from what it was before. It is not going to be the same. I mean, things are going to be laid bare so that everything is revealed before God. Every one and everything that they have done is going to stand open before God. And we say, man, I'm not looking forward to that because there's some stuff that I just assume nobody see. But remember, we're talking about a God who is calling us to repentance. We're talking about a God who is willing to forgive because he loves us that much. That's the God who is waiting on us, who is patient with us. But the day is going to come. And uh, Peter says there's a way to prepare for that. Verse 11. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. So last week, we talked about how God is at work in our waiting. This week, we begin to see that we need to be at work in our waiting, that God is calling us to do something. Now, I don't think Peter is saying, listen, okay, if you're good enough, then God's going to give you a chance. That's not what we're talking about here, because he's also called us to repentance. So Peter knows, he knew it well, because we know a good bit of his life story that we are all sinners, that we sometimes mess this stuff up and we have to come to God in repentance. So it is not that we are sinless, it's that we're forgiven, but our way of responding to that forgiveness of that incredible love for God is by living godly lives, by becoming the people that God wants us to be, to being formed into the image of the humans that God created us to be. So we live these holy and godly lives separated from everything else. That's who God has called us to be. We'll never get it perfect, but we have this opportunity to live a life that pleases Him. But God is not done. Verse 13. But in keeping with His promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So there's a, a real clear picture of destruction in this chapter in 2 Peter. But there's also a very clear picture of recreation, that God made the earth, that he made it good, we're told, but that it's been corrupted and that it is going to be restored to what it was at the beginning. So this whole story that Peter is telling in just a few short verses is not just about James Jones and his relationship with God or any one of us in our relationships with God. It's about all of creation being restored to what God wanted from the beginning that we have messed up, that is broken because of our sin. And once again, we're back to the amazing, graceful, forgiving love of God at work in creation. Now, we read all that. Peter telling this early church, yes, you've had to wait, but this is really not about your patience with God. It's about God's patience with you. Yes, you've had to wait, but remember, God doesn't look on time the way you look on time. Yes, you've had to wait, but part of the reason you've had to wait is because God loves you and all of humanity so much that he is calling every person to him. Okay, you get all that, and I think part of what Peter is getting at for these Christians and that rings out to us 2,000 years later is this. Simple message. Don't give up on God. Here's a God who is present and active in creation, a God who keeps his promises, a God who has incredible love, grace, and forgiveness for every single one of us. Don't give up on that God just because you've had to wait. There's a couple ways this works out in our lives. First of all, don't give up on God to work in your life. Okay, you've prayed to God, maybe for days, weeks, months, even years, even decades, and you're wondering why God hasn't responded. Well, we have to say, okay, listen, it feels like a long wait, and yet God operates in time in a different way than we do, and so God's wait may look very different than our wait, And God knows things that we don't know. We sometimes wonder why God would wait to send Jesus back. But what Peter tells us is it's all about us. And maybe there's things that God knows that we don't know. About our own life, our own situation, the people that we love the most, God knows more. And so in some ways, this has to come back to faith. As I read the stories of Jesus, as I see what scripture has to say about who God is, am I willing to put my faith, my trust in this God or not? Every Monday morning we have a couple Bible studies that meet here in the church. And I get to lead the one for the guys. And we've been studying through the the letter Paul to the church in Galatia. It's like several churches in Galatia because that's a region. And it's been really refreshing to me because it's a powerful letter that really sets out a lot of what Paul says in his later letters in, in in a great way. But one of the things that I was reminded of this week is this great story that Paul refers back to about Abraham. And he's talking about how God declared Abraham righteous. Okay, How did he move from sinful to righteous? And he tells the people in Galatia, remember the story of Abraham, that God made this promise to Abraham. Abraham's already an old man. No kids. And God says, listen, I'm going to make you a great nation. In fact, multiple great nations. I'm going to bless all humanity Through you. Abraham says, okay. And years pass. Decades. Nothing happens. No kids. It is well beyond the time when Abraham or his wife would be expected to have children. It seems impossible. And so Abraham goes back to God and says, God, he made these promises and we have been waiting and nothing happened. What's going on? And God says, I'm a God who keeps my promises and I will keep this promise. And Abraham believed him. And the writer of Genesis says that Abraham believed and God credited it to him as righteousness. God declares this to be a righteous thing. And then in the next section, what God does is is renew every promise that he's made to Abraham and calls him into this close relationship of a covenant. And then... God kept his promise and it just reminds me that there are times when when we just have to say I'm going to trust God and it might not be easy, I'm sure it was not easy for Abraham. What God was promising seemed completely, absolutely impossible and God reaffirmed his promise. Don't give up on God to be at work in your life, and don't give up on God to work in eternity. 2,000 years is a long time to wait. I mean, it just is, unless you're God, and unless you have a reason to wait, which Peter says God sees it differently, and he has a clear reason to wait on us. God is still at work. God's promises are still there. And that day is coming. But I think the message for us in this Advent season, as we are preparing our hearts and minds to celebrate the birth of Christ, but we're also looking forward beyond all that to when he returns, is whatever your questions are, deal with them, acknowledge them, but don't give up on God. Let's pray together. God, sometimes we get impatient. We want you to do stuff right now. And we might even look across our world and see people in war and in suffering and poverty and sickness and go, God, why don't you just send your son back to end all this? But we want to put our faith, our trust in you today. And believe that you are a God who keeps your promises. Who does what you say. And that we can know you're going to keep all those promises in the end. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and continue to worship.